Good morning. If we can start making our way to our seats, please. Great to see everyone this morning, the few, the proud, the Memorial Day weekend church group. It's great to see everybody. Everybody doing well? Does anybody know what today is on the church calendar? Happy Pentecost. Yes. Oh, don't get Elaine or get Sunday going. Holy Spirit Sunday, yes. This is the day we celebrate Pentecost and also we just weekend to remember and to contemplate and remember those men and women who've given their lives for our freedom and our liberties this Memorial Day weekend and why we get to enjoy worship this morning freely and so grateful you are all here. Welcome all of those of you watching us online. Uh, continue to pray for our pastor. He's in the woods running from bears and so uh, probably not running at the moment but you never know. He's Over the weekend he and a couple guys and the kids went to uh, up to a place in northern Georgia to backpack to prepare for their big trip out west this summer. So I know they're having a great time. But just a few announcements to prepare for the weekend. Um, uh, to remember, uh, this Sunday, it's, we're in a rotation. Uh, today at 4.30, we're having our prayer time for the church and the community. Greg and Cecilia T are leading it. One little change to that, though, is for this Sunday specifically, they're going to be meeting in the gym building at 1 p.m. I'm sorry, in the gym really in room one. Um, because the Hispanic Church will be here later in the day for a special service. So it's 4.30 today over in the gym building, room one. Uh, we have some things happening beginning this week for our summer schedule. First, for the ladies, uh, the summer Bible study, very excited about this, that Melinda Crouch is leading. Um, study of Colossians begins this Tuesday at 6 p.m. This Tuesday, 6 o'clock, over in the uh, youth room in the gym building. Registration is needed because we want to prepare for limited child care. So please register, ladies, if you're coming and need child care. All the details and registration are on the website at gatewaybaptist.com. Uh, for the men, continue to watch the website under our news and events tab. Uh, there's going to be a lot of special opportunities throughout the summer with axe throwing, dinners, hikes, baseball game. All the details are there. But everything kicks off on Wednesday, June 7th is the first event. Wednesday, June 7th at 6 p.m. here at Gateway, there's going to be a men's cookout and outdoor games. So, guys, put that on your calendar. Very excited about that time to come together. Um, please register as well. We do this, again, just primarily for food to prepare accordingly to have enough for everybody. And also, VBS, just again, another reminder of that, June 12th through the 16th. Details and registration are on the website. Please go and sign up. I think Molly texted us last week, and there's already been over 45 kids signed up, something like that. So we're very, very excited. With Gateway, I think that's four families. But anyway, I'm just kidding. I love it. We're so blessed. I love our families here at Gateway. It's even Molly Rath. I think that's only a couple of families, and we're good. All right. So VBS, so excited about this year. We're so blessed to have all these kids and a lot of new families that have joined. I love VBS. I'm a part of it every year, and it's so much fun. Um, just another little celebration family announcement from one family to another. Would like to uh, be, I'm excited to announce that my oldest daughter, Casey, and her husband, Garrett, are expecting their first child. <laughs> Woo! So, so excited. Nikki and I and our family, this is our second grandchild, so we're just loving life. And um, little baby Miller should be here late December, early January during Christmas time. 
a nice little pouch so for her, but we're so thrilled. Very, very excited. Lastly, before we pray and get started, I'm going to ask Jackson Gross to come up. He, is, uh, he was a little ill last week. We missed you last week, buddy, but Jackson has graduated this year. Yes. And I will say, I mentioned it with the, uh, the girls last week, but Jackson has pretty much been here his entire life. He's been raised in this church. I think when I checked, he was around two years old when you guys started attending. So I've been here since 07, so I've seen you grow up. It's just been an honor and privilege to watch the Lord mold you and shape you into the man of God that you are today. Um, and so Jackson uh, graduated from Alabama Destinations Career Academy um, this, on May 11th. He plans to attend Trenum State Community College in the fall and will pursue a certificate in auto mechanics. And guys, he serves our church by setting things up, doing chairs and tables and cleaning and all kinds of things. He put together the, the uh, couches or those benches over there. Like Grady just uses him as a little side job guy and he's faithful to come and serve faithfully and not complain and but we're just really proud of you and excited for what the Lord has for you. So as a part of your resources, we want to invest into your life with this study uh, Bible and uh, just to be able to glean from it and invest in it. So let me pray for you. Lord, we thank you so much for Jackson. We thank you for this young man, and it has been an honor to watch him grow up here at this church to see the man of God that he has become. We thank you for the opportunities that lay ahead for him. As I mentioned last week with the girls, Lord, we thank you that Proverbs 16:9 says that man plans his ways, but God, you order our steps. And we thank you that you've ordered his steps to Trenum and to be a part of this church and this community. And we pray you continue to use him as salt and light as your ambassador on that campus and around the individuals that you're going to put before him uh, to just be you, to be Christ-like, to show who you are, your glory, your love, your grace, and your mercy. Continue to protect him, strengthen him, guide and direct him accordingly. And we just lift him up to you today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you, buddy. All right, if you please stand. We prepare our hearts before the Lord to worship him because he is worthy of our praise. Amen. This is Psalm 62, verses 5 through 8. David cries out, My soul, wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. On God my salvation and on my glory rest. The rock of my strength, my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him, for God is a refuge for us. Let's praise our strength and refuge this morning. Praise God.
Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. And Lord, that is what we cry out today. Lord, that is we want to praise you and recognize your grace to us and ask for your continued grace. Because Lord, we would not be here but for you. Lord, we would not know our sin except that you convict us of it. We would not know your grace unless you put it upon our hearts, unless you take the word that is preached and bring it to our hearts and regenerate us and change us to follow you. Lord, we would have nothing except that you have graciously given it to us. So Lord, we are grateful. We praise your name today out of gratitude. We're so thankful to have the opportunity to, to do that together with brothers and sisters so that we can encourage one another to continue to look to you for our provision, to look to you for our salvation, for our sanctification, for everything. Lord, make us more together today to ask for your help. Lord, we want to love and to serve you. And so we ask for your grace on our Gateway Young Adult Life Group. We're thankful so much. I'm thankful personally so much for this community and the folks that are there and how I watch them love one another well, to bear one another's burdens, to care so well for each other. And God, I pray that you would continue to build community in that place, that they would give each other Dixon and their ministry with Shepherd Staff. God, thank you for what they're doing in our city to care for the least of these. Lord, pray that you would give them a sense of your power and of your strength and of your grace as they do it. And Lord, we pray for our partner, Pastor Mark in Haiti. And we're so grateful for the opportunity that we have to partner with them and the work that they're doing down there. But we also recognize how difficult it is to minister there. And so, Lord, we know that he needs your grace, that their church needs your to keep going. We pray for your provision, but also a sense that you are in control, that you are calling that nation, Haiti, to yourself, and that you are using Pastor Mark to accomplish your work down there. God, thank you for the opportunity to uh, to return back to you what you've given us. As, we, as I prayed earlier, Lord, it's all from you. Everything we have is yours. And so for you to say, for us to worship you by giving it back to you, yours anyway. So we're happy to give it back. But Lord, we also understand that the world comes in and our own temptations come in and make us want to cling to specifically to our resources and say, no, that's mine. But God, you've asked us to give it to you in an act of worship. So Lord, we pray that you would lead our hearts to do that. And 
finally for our brother CJ this morning as he comes to share with us. Lord, thank you so much for him. I know so many families here, including mine, can look at uh, the ministry of CJ and Nikki and their family and their lives over these many years, and we are so grateful, so grateful to hear his word today, or your word today through him. So, Lord, bless him as he uh, comes to share with us this morning. We lift all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. You guys can be seated. As Jeff even prayed for Mark and Haiti, we actually have a mission update video from Haiti from Pastor Mark to share with you guys this morning. tell you some about how things is going um, in Haiti. We, uh, we thank you so much for your prayers. We know that you guys continue to pray for us, my brothers and my sisters. Let me tell you that we are still alive, even in the middle of the fire. So we continue to say thanks during very bad wars, shooting every day, kidnappings, the cost of the food raised. Many families cannot afford to eat. But God is with us. God never abandoned us. We still have our hope. We are strong. We continue to fight. We continue to drink. We continue to hope. We continue to preach hope. To preach Jesus. Because we know someday things will be different. God will make a way. He always make a way. We continue to keep our eyes on God. He is the source of our hope. We give all glory to Him. I would like you to pray for us, especially for strength, especially pray for me and my staff. We are doing uh, counseling every day. We are facing with people who are distressed every day. I always make myself available to talk to people when they need to talk to me. And every day people come, some of them are dispersed. But I always pray them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Please pray for me and my staff for more strength, for more wisdom, for guidance from the Lord 
we will go to Seguin. Seguin. <laughs> it is in the mountains in the east of Chapel on the way to go to Dominican Republic. We will go there to to preach door to door to um, organize a training session for pastors so and in the evening we will preach a crusade we would like to see about a thousand people come each night <coughs> for a crusade and we will also show them that Jesus fell. I would like you guys to pray for us for uh, revival. We would like to see people come to the Lord Jesus Christ. We would like to transform life. We would like to give more strength to the believers there. Encourage the pastors, the deacons, the elders, the church leaders, etc. We would like to encourage them. Please pray for us. Uh, so I would like you to, I would like you also to know that in Christmas we are praying for you. I know that problems is everywhere. <laughs> we do not have problems because we are in Haiti. People around the world have problems. You have your kind of problems. We have our problems in general. We are praying for you too. I encourage you to be strong in your faith. I encourage you, brothers and sisters, to keep your eyes on Jesus no matter what happened in your life. Jesus wins. Jesus is alive. He is close to us. He is with us. We are not alone. Please be strong. We will be together one day. We will hug each other. We love you so much. God bless you, brothers and sisters. Praise God for that, right? All right, so uh, kids, first through fourth grade, you guys are coming with me to Kids Worship over next door. Parents, you guys uh, can pick your kids up after the service. We'll either be in the gym or down around in the hallway in the back. Probably the gym. The kids like to go play in the gym afterwards, so... Uh, thanks. Appreciate y'all. Pastor Mark, just know we uh, pray for him often. Obviously, we support them financially. Love to see the work that he does down there. I know Chris McCorkle is very close to him, and sometimes they face these things through Facebook and all. But we're aware of everything, and also love how week to week. I had no idea there we were showing this till sometime first of the week. And I just love how the Holy Spirit divinely orders setting things up, you know what I mean? Like for a sermon, because some of the things he expressed is exactly what we're getting into today. And some of the things he expressed prayer for of what the Holy Spirit is moving and doing, um, even among us. So I'm excited about that. Well, if you open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5, we're continuing our wonderful adventure through the letter of 1 Peter. Past few weeks have been a little sobering, haven't they? <laughs> We've had a few weeks uh, talking about the subject of suffering and persecution um, over the past few weeks. And coming through chapter 4, just by way of review to help in this transition, um, we've been talking about a few of the points that we're not to be surprised at the fire ordeal that comes among us. 
Uh, Peter talks about if we've been reviled for the name of Christ, we are blessed. He says, if anyone suffers as a Christian, we are to glorify God in this name. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, very sobering sermon Grady brought about how in the body of Christ, we need to recognize that judgment begins with the house of God. And last week, verse 19, to close out uh, this portion of the letter coming toward the end, in verse 9, Peter says, Therefore, those who also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is good or right. And so that, I love the transition. Anytime we remember, we see the word therefore. What does that mean? We look at what? What proceeds before it. So before that, Peter literally in verse 19 is saying, because we shouldn't be surprised at our fiery ordeals, because we should recognize that if we're reviled, we should be blessed. Remembering that when we suffer for Christ, we're to glorify in his name and recognize that judgment begins with us as the people of God, that we're not, um, you know, not going to experience suffering or persecution. And sometimes that means God disciplines us or the uh, persecution or suffering comes upon us for our purification. That because of all that, therefore, when we do suffer according to God's will, we are to entrust ourselves, our souls, to a faithful, sovereign God. Amen? He's in control. Nothing, should, nothing surprises him, and we shouldn't be surprised, but we can entrust ourselves to him. And so now, coming to the end of that flow, we're now working our way into chapter 5, where literally Peter makes a major transition, just a little reroute, in a sense. And um, it's just interesting how he does this toward the end of this letter. Remember, because this is the last chapter. So this is coming toward the end of what Peter's trying to express as by way of reminder. Remember, he's writing to the churches in Asia that are scattered abroad, that are going to live this life in pagan, idolatrous society, and how you as the minority, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, the way, this small minority people, how are we to live in this society? How are we to live in this pagan culture? And so he's coming down the home stretch in this letter of encouraging the body of Christ, the church in that way. And so in this transition text here, these first few verses, four verses in the beginning of five, Peter not only is obviously instructing the church as a whole, the reader, but he's honing in and exhorting and encouraging a very small minority within the body of Christ for these four to five verses, okay? And who he's talking to specifically and exhorting and encouraging are the leaders of the church. That's why I love it. We just got to hear from Pastor Mark. And guys, we've, we've been knowing this gentleman for many years. And when he talks about prayer for the staff, and they're exhausted. <laughs> they are enduring a lot. Talk about suffering and persecution with the rioting the lack of food, the depression he talks about. These men, these leaders, recognize what we're going to talk about today to the nth degree of what it means to be an elder, as he said, a pastor, an overseer, a shepherd in the body of Christ. So specifically, Peter is encouraging the church here and these individuals, these men, about during these times of suffering and persecution, how are you to lead and respond appropriately? How are you to lead and respond as an overseer biblically and appropriately in this type of culture and in this situation, there is an expectation. And I was talking to Greg Till this morning, <laughs> coming out in the hall, and I'm like, dude, don't take any of this personal, or Rick, or Jeff. Well, Jeff's over there. he gets get to hear it later. But, but I just want to say, this text is unique in a lot of parts of the entire Bible to where this scripture, these four to five verses, really hone in on us. There are six men that God has charged and put in this place for such a time as this, to lead you, to shepherd you, to oversee this flock. And we are here, and this is primarily an encouragement toward them. But one thing I want us to glean from this, 
Because it's, it's a very unique text to where there's not some points of here's how to live, here's how to judge, here to do things. It's really an awareness. It's a reminder factor for all of you in this place to be reminded and to see how God has called each and every one of us, the six of us, how we are called to serve and lead you. And we do it for accountability. We are entrusted and are accountable to you before God. And so part of this text today is for you to be aware and to know why we're called to do what we do for you in this place, in this local congregation. Secondly, once you see that and know that, as he just referred to, we need your prayers. We covet your prayers. We are at war, amen, as the body of Christ. (laughs) There's daily battles and struggles. There's an enemy. We struggle with sin. And there's nothing more than the enemy would like to do than to take out who? The shepherds of sheep. And we're going to get into that in a minute. But there's predators constantly looking over a flock of sheep, right? To what? Kill, steal, and destroy. And so we, as shepherds of your church, need your prayers. We covered your prayers for us and our families and what we're involved in. And so that's another part of this, is to make you aware of that and be reminded of that. And thirdly, I want to encourage you to glean from this, is that I know that there is some individual men in this room that as you hear this, and I'm praying that the Holy Spirit stirs you and engages you in such a way that you may be called to this role, that you personally may be called to this function, to this office within the body of Christ. And this is just a reminder for you to know to some degree to what's to be expected and to how to lead from there. And I'm going to be very honest. I asked to preach this. When, when Grady gives us men the whole sermon, some of the times we get up here, it's like, man, we love a certain passage, or we want to preach this, or we feel challenged or convicted. This text is very personal to me. And I, I'm excited to teach this. When I saw this on the thing, I'm like, man, I want to jump in, Grady. I want this. For two reasons. Number one, um, the role that I've been called to for the first 13, 13 years of my childhood I lived in this environment. My father was a pastor and an elder from late 70s to the early 90s, that I lived in a home of a shepherd. And then for the majority of my adulthood, over 20 to 22 years, I have literally been in this function and in this role. And again, God, this is not doing this to CJ. I say this with trepidation and knowing the weight of what I'm experiencing. So I'm 53 years old. For 33 years of my 53, I have lived in a shepherd's culture. I've experienced it, or I've lived it and been it myself. So this is a very personal text. Number one, because it's to encourage and you know, challenge me and admonish me in my role, but also because I've lived it to encourage the rest of the body and other men to know the beauty of what God has called us to. So that's why this is very personal for me and excited to be able to encourage you guys with this this morning. So with all that intro said, let us stand. <laughs> and let's honor the Lord with the reading of his word to see what he wants to encourage us with this morning. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. And I'm reading from the New American Standard. Peter says, Therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you, God, so much for your church. We thank you, Lord, for your providence in establishing it. And 
Lord, thank you that we get to see in this beautiful, beautiful display, even these few, few verses, of how you establish things within your body and how you desire to have them shepherded and governed so that we would display your glory and your honor and your ways. So give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Give us hearts of humility because um, some of the stuff we talk about today sometimes just goes directly against our Adamic nature, <laughs> our sinful nature, our pride, things we look at. But just speak to us this morning through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, looking back at verse 1, Peter's communicating here, taking a little transition. And honestly, this first verse in verse 1, he's really just communicating a heart of humility of trying to express to the elders of the church just his position and where he is before he expounds on this and gives them this challenge or exhortation. So let's look at verse 1 again. He says, Therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder, witness of the sufferings of Christ, and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. So the first thing he says, he says, I'm identifying as one of you. I'm a fellow elder. I'm one of you. He's empathizing with them. He understands their responsibilities. He's literally trying to identify some solidarity with the elders to give them a sense that he, they understand. You remember in John chapter 21 when Jesus was on the beach and Peter and the guys were out in the boat fishing and he saw him on the beach and Peter did what? Leaped out of the boat, swam to shore, noticed it was Christ. They sat down, they had breakfast. It was the first time he had an encounter with him since the denials. And Jesus asked him what? Three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And every time Peter said, of course, Lord, you know that I love you. And after every one of his affirmations of love, what did Jesus say? He said the first time he said, I want you to tend or feed my lambs. Second one, he said, I want you to shepherd my sheep. The third one, he says, I want you to tend or feed my sheep. Same uh, words in the Greek. But so right there with Peter, he's establishing a culture and a mindset that you are going to shepherd my people. And that's what Peter did from that point on. In the, in the body of Christ, in the early days of the church, Peter was looked at as a leader, as one he would lead out in that. So Peter understood the context, and obviously most of the people of the culture of the day understood what the shepherd-sheep relationship has to do with. That's why I love teaching Psalm 23 so much. It relates so much to me and my role and our role and what God has called us to do. So Peter would have understood that. So he's trying to encourage these guys to have some camaraderie saying, I'm one of you, I'm a fellow elder. He didn't just lay out his apostleship authority right out of the gate. But he subtly did it with the second part. Look at verse 1 again. I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. When this phrase was usually used, obviously in those days and with those connected to Paul and the other apostles, anybody that witnessed the life of Christ or his death and resurrection and his ascension was considered because they would have authority as a witness. They viewed these things. So this was one of the aspects that he was kind of putting out his apostleship a bit, that I, I'm a witness of this. You can trust me. I have an authority in this of watching Jesus' life and what he endured. And a couple of commentaries I read, I thought it was interesting they brought this up as well, that when, by Peter even mentioning the sufferings of Christ and witnessing this, he was actually reminding himself in saying this of one of his greatest failures, right? His own brokenness, his own weakness as a man, his own sinfulness, because he denied Jesus three times in the midst of witnessing this. Sitting in the courtyard with all the guys and, and, and Jesus being mocked and all those type of things, he witnessed Jesus being you know, suffering and persecuted through mockery and everything else, while at the same time denying him three times. So this was a humble state for Peter to even confess this or witness his sufferings. And then thirdly, he transitioned and says, But I am also a partaker of the glory that is to be revealed. 
So he's expressing there to the elders that we will all together experience this eternal reward of glory that will be revealed when our Jesus returns. When he comes back, we're going to experience his glorious presence together. So he establishes this little mode before he gives the exhortation of his posture and where he is in humility. And then he transitions again, saying, I exhort the elders among you. And what is he exhorting? The elders specifically. I want us to highlight this a minute. Looking at the elders, in Acts chapter 20, verses 17 and 28, it says, Paul sent from Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. And Paul said to them, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. And the reason I wanted to bring that up is because I just wanted to remind you all that sometimes the word elders, overseers, shepherds are all interchangeable. It's all the same role, function, office. And also to say this is just an example of Paul establishing within the church in Ephesus that these men, these individuals, have been called to guard the flock. Okay, Everyone in here were sheep, and we are part of the flock of God. And Paul emphasized, which I love, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Guys, I'm not standing up here before you because it has anything to do with me. Okay? It is spirit governed, led, compelled. It's all him. Just because of him. I'm just walking in us as men in obedience to what God is doing and what he is called. And I love how he puts in here elders, overseers, and shepherds. The Greek word shepherd is where we get the word pastor from because the Greek word is poimen. And it literally means to pasture someone. Literally to pasture. So that's where we get the word pastor from. But again, they're all working in the same office and function to lead in this way. So Paul is saying, elders, overseers, shepherds of Ephesus, guard for yourselves and lead in this way to pasture or pasture the church of God. And I want to just, again, by way of reminder, very quickly, look at, we're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 3. I just want to remind us the significance of this and what God has called us to. And for those men in this room that may be stirred, and the Holy Spirit may be leading as a reminder of the qualifications of this role. First Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. It's a trustworthy statement if any man aspires to the office of overseer. And the reason I put that in is because the Holy Spirit is the one that does the aspiration. He's the one that's going to nudge you and kind of compel you. I remember through my high school and college years, as my dad was a pastor, and being around that environment and teaching Sunday school and being around the youth and doing things in ministry around... This happened for me. <laughs> the Holy Spirit started nudging, and I felt this little nudge of the possibility of wanting to function in this way, watching my father, being in this environment, seeing what it entailed, that God would one day possibly lead me to, do, to this function. Not that my choice, I just would say, Lord, I submit. If this is you, just keep stirring me. Keep doing what you got to do. Keep cultivating these things in my life. So if there's men in this room, and you see these qualifications, which are weighty and serious, be thinking and praying through those things. Back to verse 1. So, whoever aspires to this office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. An overseer then must be above reproach, husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Ding, 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 ding. Key. (laughs) A lot of people just gloss over this one, okay? Most of these are character-based, but primary function of our role is this. Able to teach. I just want to put that out there for those men that are praying and seeking. It's very important. Not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but gentle, peaceable, free from the love of money. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. 
But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? And not a new convert, so that he will not become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil. And he must have a good reputation with those outside the church, so that he will not fall into reproach in the snare of the devil. I just wanted to put that out there again, just as a reminder. And a reminder of what we are to be held accountable to. The six of us that have quote-unquote, you have seen and affirmed and elected us to operate in this way. Not perfectly. Guys, we would all say we are broken men. Broken, weak, frail, idolatrous, iniquitous men saved by grace. And we struggle with it every day. But by God's grace and mercy and the desire that's in us through the Holy Spirit, he has called us to lead and function in this way. So what is Peter asking here? For us to exhort the elders among you to what purpose? For what task? Look at verse 2. He's saying to the elder, shepherd the flock of God among you, just like what Paul said, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God, not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. So I want to highlight again, the task we've been called to is to shepherd the flock of God, to exercise oversight. That's where they get the word overseer from. So the elders, overseers, and pastors, we've been entrusted as under shepherds, as God's stewards, to care for God's flock. Guys, that's the first thing we recognize coming into this weighty role. We're dumb sheep too. <laughs> and guys, listen, if you ever, I've teached Psalm 23 a lot of years. Every one of us should be like, yes, I'm a dumb sheep. We celebrate our dumbness. Please don't ever take the fact that we're sheep and supposed to be dumb as a negative thing. Because we recognize we only have one shepherd and we need one God and we are desperate and needy for him. Amen. That's okay to be a dumb sheep. Every, I'm looking at it, it's like, right now, y'all are really struggling with this one. <laughs> but we are. Why do you think he uses that example so much in Scripture of the shepherd and sheep? It is a proven fact since the creation of time that the sheep are some of the dumbest animals on the planet. And he uses us as to be examples of that. Because we are dependent on him. If a sheep lives on its own for any period of time that's extended, what will happen to it? Die. It cannot survive on its own. That's the example of being, that's what the example for us. We are dependent on him fully. And so looking at our role as a shepherd, and then which is amazing that we're also called to be an under shepherd, and we are still a sheep, we shepherd each other. The beauty of this is Grady has been called to be our lead pastor, our lead elder, our lead shepherd. And we as a group of men, we submit to his God-given authority. We recognize his role in this church, but we shepherd each other. Every one of us in this room, we're accountable to each other. We pray together. We're there for each other. And Grady's a part of this beautiful plurality of leadership that God has blessed our church with. I've been on, as I said, 20-something years of a lot of elder teams and pastoral staffs are working with them. And guys, we are blessed. Amen. Me being with this group of men, I say we are blessed with this group of men. Imperfect, frail, weak, broken men. But we're blessed because of the humility and the unity that we are experiencing. God is just working. I just want to affirm you as a body what God has brought together here. And I am just humbled and grateful to be a part of it. So we recognize that, that we are also sheep, given this amazing privilege to also be an under-shepherd to the chief shepherd. And that's what I love about Psalm 23 and all it entails. So Ezekiel 34, 15 and 16, I love this. God speaking to the people of Israel about shepherding because some of his people have blown it. And God said, I will feed my flock and I will lead them to rest declares the Lord God, I will seek the lost, bring back the scattered, and bind up the broken, and strengthen the sick. 
So this is one Old Testament reference, that one of the only few. There's not many that give a broad, overarching kind of qualifications or tasks that a shepherd does beyond Psalm 23. And this one does that, to feed the sheep, to lead the sheep, to bring back to when they're scattered, to go after them, to bind them up, to help bring healing and strength. And so we've been called to that. The six men that God has chosen to help lead and shepherd this flock, we have been called to do this here for you. And I will say just a few of these to look. It all begins in one place. None of this can take place. Feeding you, leading you, guiding you, providing for you, helping heal, strengthen, all that without the foundational thing we do first. And that is pray. We get on our face. We get on our knees. We seek God's wisdom. We seek understanding. We seek vision, strategy, direction, not just for the body at large and for each other, but then for you personally. We stand in the gap for you. We pray for you by name, your families. We meet for hours during our meetings where we have it scattered to lift you up, to pray for you, to consider your lives, what's going on. We bear the weight of your emotions and your grief and your joys and all of it. We do that with you and for you. And we do it lovingly and willingly. And so when we, some of these things that we are here to provide food for you and nourishment and quench your thirst, we do that through what we're doing right now, through this. Right now, I'm feeding the flock, right? Amen? Right now, hopefully, I'm looking at all of you. It's like you have steaks and, you know, and fork and spoon or you're down eating the grass. Right now, you're feeding Right now I'm giving you cool water. It's not CJ. This is it. This is the source of life. This is our nourishment. This is what quenches our thirst. So that is our primary goal and role in this body of your elders is to feed you, equip you, disciple you through God's word. That's what Ephesians 4.12 says when God's talking about the offices of the church. The apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. The pastor, teacher, most is hyphenated in the Greek. It's really one role. And what are they called to do? Next verse. Equip you for the work of service so that the body will grow and be encouraged. That's what we're called to do. We're also called the task to guard you, to protect you, for discipline. This is how we exercise oversight. And who are we guarding and protecting you from? Two people. One, what is the primary danger for sheep? Predators, right? Wolves, bears, I'm talking about in general sense. Well, who's the predator that seeks you out daily? Satan. There is a real predator, guys. There are forces of darkness, his little crew, that are after you or your sphere of influence or whatever it is, 24-7. To kill, steal, and destroy, as John 10 says. That's what the thief comes to do. And so it's our job as men, as we pray for you, as we look, as we watch. Literally, I see right now, like you're a herd, and I'm on the hill overlooking, you know, got my staff and I got my rod. And there's the sheep, and y'all are functioning and living life and doing your thing, eating and drinking and laying out. I remember when I teach Psalm 23, whenever you guys see a sheep lying down, there's one word that represents the purity of one word. Do anybody remember I was teaching? One word starts with a P. Peace. There's, some, there's a little flock of sheep right up here on Bell Road, and I pass by all, I'm this close to one to just knock on the door and say, can we talk, you know? But whenever I drive by and I see their little flock, literally right out there, not even half a mile, and they're laying out in the front yard, I drive by that every time. I'm like, ah, oh, there's the body of Christ at rest. Because when they're laying down, that posture means I am completely dependent and at rest and peace and content because of the shepherd's care. Everything's in place. And so my heart for you and us as shepherds is that you guys experience that peace, that when you just go, ah. Y'all remember the old Nesty commercial plunges? I'm dating myself. Back in the 70s and 80s. And they fall back into the pool 
and it's called the Nesty Plunge. That is our desire for you as shepherds that you just, oh, I fall back into Jesus. I'm resting in him. And that's all a part of what we've been called to, to exercise oversight and to provide for you. The other person that we protect you from, you. You. When I've read and studied so much about shepherds and sheep, the, what the biggest task most of the time they're down there trying to do is to protect the sheep from themselves. Getting outside the fence. Laying over or if they, you know, lay on their back, these gases fill up and they're dead within hours. So the sheep shepherd has to come back and put them up on all fours. They can't do it on their own. So what that is for us is we're watching going, is there sinful struggles? There's some things you're going through, relationships, there's depression, things in your life that we're watching for going, can we come in and help what? Save you, protect you, help put you back up on your feet again, rightly. And it's all because of him. We're drawing from God's strength. We're looking for his wisdom and his direction and his wisdom to do that. So we're looking out to protect you from predators and sin struggles, schemes of the devil that may work in this church to bring division to bring discipline, we're going to step in, guys. Just know, we lovingly have to step into situations because we love you and we're called to do so. As I mentioned months ago in the last sermon, we are called to get in each other's business, all of us. And this comes directly against our Adamic sinful nature because of our pride. I'm going to keep you at a distance. I don't need your input. Don't need you in my life. I got this. That's not biblical. We are to be in each other's lives, and even more so, the six of us, to be able to invest into that. And when we do that, we are then able to grow wisdom from the Lord, get vision, strategy, direction, and that's where the guiding and the leading comes in. The staff is representative of the work of the, authority, the Holy Spirit. So anytime that we're leading the sheep in real life, the shepherd literally can get out ahead of a sheep and barely nudge that sheep with the long staff if they're getting off course a bit. He'll just come up beside it and just barely tap or put a little pressure, and the sheep gets right back in line. Isn't that a beautiful analogy? But that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And then the rod, which is used for discipline and to destroy a predator, is what? Right here. This is the rod of God. And so we bear the staff, meaning the work of the Spirit, and we bear the rod for you to help guide you, to lead you, to protect you, to comfort you. Sometimes in the time of comfort, what does a shepherd do? If that sheep is hurt and broken, it's like he what? Picks the sheep up and what? On the shoulders. I have carried, by God's grace and mercy and loving it, many on my shoulders. And guess what? These men have carried me. They've carried me. Y'all know what I've been through health-wise these past few years. Heart stuff and popping and this, that, and out of the hospital. And then that man literally held me. Literally, Rick Steen, in that room almost a year ago, held me as I'm getting shocked 12 times with my defibrillator in pain and agony and crying out to God like, what are you doing? Why am I in the middle of this church getting shocked and possibly dying at this moment? And that man came in to comfort me and undergird me and held me up. That's a shepherd. I needed that at that moment because I'm crying out to the chief shepherd going, what am I doing on this floor? Why am I here? I didn't get it, but feeling his arms, I felt his. That's what we're here for, guys. I'm I'm making this serious and personal because we want you to want us, to need us. We're here for that purpose. On a daily basis, we're here for you. And it is war. It's a battle. It's a struggle. But we gladly do it. And why do we gladly do it? Because of what Peter says here. He says, shepherd the flock, in verse 2, among you, exercise oversight, For this purpose, here's the manner in which to do it. Not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. 
nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. So we are to first exercise oversight, coming down the home stretch voluntarily, willingly, freely, not under compulsion or obligation or feeling forced. We know that's God's will for us to do it freely, lovingly, not to do it out of duty, but delight. I truly delight being an under-shepherd for you. I'm telling you guys, you can ask my wife. I get great joy, and sometimes to my detriment. Sometimes, y'all hear me, I'm being very candid. I'll serve you guys a little bit more than sometimes I serve her. And God convicts me of that. Big time. Because I love serving you guys, you know, and we get in this mode. We've been in missions work for years. We've been in missions, you know, but I'm, sometimes you're so tunnel vision, serve the sheep, serve the sheep, and then I forget my precious sheep, the one I should be serving first. But God convicts me, reroutes things, and I'm sure Grady and Julie, I mean, we could have conversations, and all these other men, I have no doubt. But God works through that. But I delight in being here for you. I do. I look forward to it. I love it. With the good, the bad, and the what? The ugly. How many folks know when a shepherd gets involved with the sheep, you come out of those pens and those flocks, what? Smelly, stinky, dirty, manure, picking them up, cleaning. Guys, we're all human. We're sinners saved by grace, right? It's a messy business. But praise God, we're purified and cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Amen? When he sees us, he sees white, pure, holy, justified. But in the midst of this sanctification that we're all going through, which we've been called to, it can get a little messy sometimes. But praise God. Secondly, he calls us not only to be volunteer ourselves and be spirit-led and do it out of delight. He says, I want you to exercise oversight with eagerness, which literally means an enthusiastic desire to serve. I hope you all see that this morning. <laughs> I'm enthusiastic about this. I do love it. There's a desire to serve you. And what Peter's honing in on here specifically, because of the culture and the times, there was a lot of false teachers coming around calling themselves elders and shepherds, and a lot of times they were getting paid for it and earning some jack, and it was, their motives were wrong and misleading people on why you're doing this. So he says, man, you, you're to be eager, not for sordid gain or dishonest gain. Don't do it for financial gain. Don't do it for the wrong motives or greed or selfishness, what you can get in return. Some guys just do it out of pride, like, I get my little pass on the back. Love our shepherd, you know. That's not the point. That's not the motive. We do this out of humility for the glory of God and for your joy and for your good. That's why we do what we do. And lastly, which kind of sums it all up, he says, not only do it voluntarily and freely with eagerness, but prove to be examples to the flock. And boy, here's where the conviction comes. Woo! <laughs> Especially for me and these guys. Well, they'll be the first to say it. After I started studying it again, I told Graham, I'm like, why did I choose to teach this one again? <laughs> you know, it's like, because there's so much conviction. It's like, woo, I remember this now. There's an example that we are to be. There's an expectation. And who's the example? Our chief shepherd, right? Our good shepherd, our great shepherd. And it's Christ. It's Jesus. He has all biblical authority. We look to him on how we are to lead. I love John 10, one of my favorite in the New Testament. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He says in verse 17 and 18, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up. This commandment I receive from my Father. And so Jesus, of his own accord, his own initiative, voluntarily, freely, gives of himself, lays his life down. And so we have to see that, that he gave his life for us sacrificially by shedding every drop of his blood. But it's the analogy, it's the example. We then in turn 
for called to be under shepherds are to lay our lives down for you. Remember Jesus says, I did not come to be served, but to what? To serve and to be a ransom for many. Jesus was called to be a bondservant, a leader servant through humility. It says that in Mark chapter 10. And I always come back to this. Man, I've been living in Philippians 2 a lot lately and a lot of different teachings. But I love how Paul reminds of Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. Where Paul says to the church in Ephesus abroad, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. And now why could Paul say that? Here's how you're supposed to live, church. Where's our example? Right here, verse 5. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Here it is. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Guys, I read that time and time again. And number one, we're all to live this way, right? This is for all of us. Every one of us in this room are to look out for each other's interests more than our own. We are to not live selfishly. We are not to just look at our own interests and empty conceit, but with humility of mind. But then I take it even further and go, whew, in my position as an under-shepherd, as an overseer, I do that to the next level specifically for you. Not just all those out there, my family, spheres of it, but you all. Because Jesus was our example. He came to be a bondservant. He emptied himself. He humbled himself to serve. And one of the most beautiful examples of that was in the upper room, right? The God of the universe gets on his knees and cleans filthy feet. The God who created the foot before him washed it. Guys, we're all called to do that for each other and then taking it up and out for the six of us. Man, just what that does to me, that I'm called to wash your feet with my life, to be available to do so however God sees fit. So as Jesus came in humility, he emptied himself, we too are to love and serve sacrificially as bondservants. And we are to obey the Father. And as God leads us to be under shepherds here, pastors, elders, overseers, he is our example. And as a reminder for us that, again, it's hard. You are his flock. You're his sheep. And we've been entrusted to love and serve you sacrificially. You're not ours. You're his. And we just get to come alongside the Lord and help in this and to appropriate his grace, his mercy, his love in a tangible way as his hands and feet here. And it all comes together when we do this rightly. The Lord led me to Hebrews chapter 13, verses 16 and 17. I love how all this comes together. The writer of Hebrews is encouraging the church there, the Christians, to say, And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. And look what he tags to this. Do good and share, sacrifice for each other, obey your leaders and submit to them. Here's why. For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. You know how sobering this is for us, for Greg, Rick, Jeff, and I, and William, that we have been charged to keep watch over your souls. Here it is, as those who will give an account. I'm going to stand before a holy God one day, and I'm not going to stand before him to be judged for my sin. I'm going to be standing before him. He's going to look at me, and he's going to go, CJ, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with the calling I gave you, the role I gave you, the office I entrusted to you? 
What did you do as a shepherd for me? I will be judged on that. The rewards thing. So this is weighty. I mean, my goodness, when I read this, I'm like, whoo, Lord, am I sure I'm called to this? No, I'm just kidding. But no, but look at the beauty of this, how this is expressed. That we are able to keep watch over your souls. I didn't write, God wrote this for you. To be entrusted, to look to you, to care for you, to love you through thick and thin as we give an account to the Lord. And then look at the result. The writer of Hebrews says, when you do this rightly, when you share, when you're good, when you sacrifice, when you obey and submit, your leaders, your shepherds, they're going to be joyful. They're going to want to do this with joy, not out of obligation or duty or with the wrong motives. And then at the end it even says, it will be unprofitable for you if you don't live it this way. God has entrusted us to live this beautiful sheep-shepherd relationship till he returns and we get to experience the fullness, amen, of the shepherd. The beauty of his beautiful governance and authority fully. And what an exciting time that would be. And Peter at the end, in verse 4, sums it up with this. If we live this way, with the charge to the elders, these exhortations, Peter encourages those men. And when the chief shepherd appears, not if, when, (laughs) he's coming. Jesus is coming to get his flock, to get his sheep, his people, his bride, his church. When he appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. And simply meaning, when he comes back, we're all together and we get to receive the glory of his presence. It's all done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. We will experience the fullness of victory in Christ and the reward of all that he has to offer. And it's not the stuff, the mansions, the streets of gold. It's the person of Christ himself. We get to experience the beauty in life with the chief shepherd, our good shepherd, our great shepherd. And humbly, we have been called to serve in that capacity until that time comes. So just bringing it all together, making it personal for the main point today. Um, Gateway elders are called to be like Jesus, our chief shepherd, as we sacrificially love and serve those he has entrusted to our care. And so I hope with this affirmation that you remember and recognize what we've been called to for you, your role in it, our role in it. We work together in this beautiful relationship. Guys, this is a beautiful relationship. Again, I've experienced it for 30-something years of my life. I've seen it. It's amazing. And we're going to continue to do so humbly, graciously, to see what the Lord wants to do. And for those men in here that God may be stirring, if you want to talk about it, come see any one of us. The Lord may be working in your life, in your heart, that this may be something in your future. We'd love to talk with you. But just know, guys, we need your prayers. Our families do. We covet them, working together. We're here together. We love you. We pray for you. We're here for you. And again, every one of these men would say, there's a, please come to us if you need us. We long for it. It's what we are called to do voluntarily, with eagerness, with desire and passion to be that example of Christ for you. We want to be able to relate with you in that way. We love you guys. Amen? What a family. Let me pray. Lord, thank you so much for this wonderful flock that you've entrusted first to you, that you have brought, that you've saved, that you've gathered. And God, we thank you for the way you've established your church and in all humility, Lord. Uh, But I do thank you. I thank you that you have called me and these other five men to be under shepherds, to, to lead, to love, to protect, to serve sacrificially this, your body, your flock here at Gateway. And I just pray, God, you continue to to move among us, that we would build close, intimate relationships, that we would see what you have called us to individually and corporately, to be salt and light and your ambassadors wherever you send us across this city, 
the state, this country, the world, so that you would be honored and glorified and that we would make much of the name of Jesus, the chief shepherd who we know and love. We just praise you and thank you, Lord. Just guide and direct us this weekend. Protect us as we travel and enjoy um, just being together as families. Remember those loved ones and those men and women that have fought and died for our, our freedoms. And we just rejoice in that today, Lord, for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name, amen.
Lord, you are great. Man, I love seeing that song, declaring your glory. And God, thank you for the opportunities we're going to have this week to reveal that glory, to reveal how great you are through our lives, through our words, through our actions. I just pray for each one of us in this room, Lord. Give us divine appointments just to reveal your glory, to show people your love, grace, and mercy this week. As we're going to be with our family some tomorrow on the holiday and for the rest of the week, wherever you have us in our spheres of influence, God, use us. We are your hands, your feet, your vessels, your mouthpiece. We want to bring honor and glory to you to reach people with the gospel, the beauty of the gospel, that salvation only comes from you. We love and praise you. Guide and direct our steps as we go forth, Lord. Empower us with your spirit for your glory so the kingdom would be advanced. And we praise you with all of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.